Welcome to Economics Echo, the podcast that provides in-depth analysis of the latest business trends, economic data, and market-moving policies. Zooming in on how this all affects ordinary people. The Tokyo 2020 Summer Olympics are underway. And despite the majority of the Japanese population being against it and rising coronavirus cases in the city, the athletes are ready to go. In this episode, we'll look at the economics and politics behind Tokyo 2020. Are profits being placed ahead of people or should we plough on? All of this and much more coming up. To fully understand if these games are indeed a facade and whether they're compromising people's public health ahead of profits, we're going to make use of three main aspects. One is just how much or how important are these games for Japan, the nation itself? Two, how important are these games for the International Olympic Committee? And then finally, three, of course, how important are these games for the athletes themselves? Now, it goes without saying that um, with most major sporting events, there's a lot of uh, politics and propaganda moving around behind the scenes in order to push certain agendas and certain initiatives to the global um, stage onto the forefront of the world world community, shall we say. And the, the Olympics is not exempt from this. They're definitely uh, in this category. So if we rewind back to 1936 with the Summer Olympic Games hosted by Berlin, this was just before World War II kicked off. And then more recently, in 2014, we have the uh, Winter Olympic Games in Sochi, Russia. And this was also the year, critically, that um, President Putin annexed Crimea as part of Russian territory. Now, the, as we put this more specifically towards Japan, it just rewind back to 1964. This was when Tokyo, Japan um, hosted the Summer Olympic Games for the very first time. This was significant because this was the first Olympics to be held in Asia. The 1964 Games were also the first to be telecast internationally. These were also the first Olympic Games to have color telecasts, albeit partially. Now, it is significant um, because of the propaganda surrounding the 1964 Olympics as well. Because in 1964, at the time, they these Games were seen as an important symbol for the country's rehabilitation and rebuilding process after World War II. Now, uh, I'm sure you are aware of maybe, maybe you're not, of Japan's wartime history during World War II and the kind of bad reputation they had gained from the global community at the time. And this was a, um, a chance that the Japanese um, kind of grabbed onto with, uh, using the 1964 games to kind of... Um, rebrand themselves as more of a I don't know, liberal democracy, a world power that's um, open and you know, diverse and um, all of these things that are associated with democracy. And uh, yeah, Japan took hold of that um, 1964 games by both hands and they used it as a way to kind of push forward this agenda of um, being, you know, people forgetting about their wartime past and all that type of stuff. 
Now let's bring it back to the present day. For the Tokyo 2020-21 games, there's again a symbolic significance. So Japan has seen economic stagnation for a long time now. There has been the tsunami and the nuclear disaster of Fukushima. So these games would have been seen as a symbolic um, of a revival of the Japanese nation, the Japanese economy. Not only for the global audience who are watching on uh, from their television screens wherever they are in the world, but also for the domestic um, audience as well. You know, young Japanese people, um, this is probably the first time they're seeing their country um, on the forefront of the global stage for a very long time. So it does take a special importance in that sense for the Japanese government, um, the Japanese authorities and the Japanese Olympic Committee um, as well. Despite that though, the Japanese population doesn't seem all that keen on the summer games going ahead as planned. Get this, an IPSOS poll found that 78% of Japanese are against the Olympics happening, with South Koreans even more opposed. Globally, 57% are against Tokyo 2020 going ahead, although there is a 62% who actually agree that this is an important chance for the world to unite and come together. Interest levels of 28 markets showed India, South Africa and China as the most looking forward to the Games. Now, according to a June poll from the Japanese newspaper, the Asahi Shimban, 32% of eligible voters in Japan want to see the Games completely cancelled, and an additional 30% would prefer another delay. Roughly a third, 34%, want to see the event to proceed as scheduled this summer which is a 20% increase from when the same question was asked a month earlier. Now, of course, some of these concerns are rooted in coronavirus health and safety. Uh, more than 8 in 10 actually say that they would feel unsafe with the Olympics continuing as planned in Tokyo. Now, the Japanese government has tried to take heed of some of these concerns of their population um, and they've been weighing up various options regarding spectators or lack, lack thereof shall we say at the games with organizers first deciding to limit attendance to 10,000 local fans before largely banning spectators altogether. The June Asahi Shinban survey showed public opinions for these measures before they were announced, with 53% of eligible Japanese voters preferring no spectators at all and 42% favouring a limited number of fans in the stands. Will Japan's economy get a boost from Tokyo 2020? Well, the Tokyo organisers also have to consider the lost boost to Japan's economy from holding the games. In 2016, the Bank of Japan forecast that the country would see GDP increase by $91 billion from construction alone, while analysis by Nomura, an investment bank, estimated a lower $30 billion in production value. Whatever the amount, most of this capital expenditure will already have occurred in the lead-up to the Olympics. When it comes to demand, Nomura's chief economist in Japan, Takashi Miwa, 
says it's only revenue from services and some merchandise, amounting to less than half of the increase in demand that is at risk from cancellation. Holding the games also gives Japan the chance to benefit from a significant boost in the years after the event. A review uh, commissioned by the UK government after London 2012 estimated gains from trade and investment of around £9.9 billion, uh, call it £10 billion, in the first year alone. But Matthias Fergo, a senior researcher at the Austrian Institute of Economic Research, suggests that some of this spending would occur without the Olympics. Quote, he said, even in normal times, not all activities related to such a mega event actually trigger additional value, end quote. Fergo's analysis also found there's an economic boost of around 3% uh, to 4% from hosting, but only at a regional level in the year of the event and the year before. While there are tentative signs of positive long-run effects, the data is still uncertain. Now, when it comes to the costs of COVID-19, while critics suggest that organisers are putting revenues and profits ahead of safety, there doesn't appear to be huge economic gains from holding the Tokyo Olympics. Meanwhile, economists have joined public health experts in warning about the fallout from a post-Olympic surge in coronavirus infections. The Nomura Research Institute estimated back in May that the hit to Japan's economy from the first and second state of emergency was around $58 billion, compared to $16 billion uh, to cancel the Olympics. That suggests that another similar state of emergency later down the line in the year could amount to around three times the cost of cancelling the Olympics. So, arguably, it is the potential surge in COVID-19 infections rather than scrapping the games altogether that is the biggest threat to Japan's economy. Okay, so Japan's economy doesn't get a large boost from this. The local population is against the summer games going ahead. So why doesn't the Japanese government just axe this whole thing and cancel altogether? Well, the contract between the International Olympic Committee and the host city of Tokyo is straightforward. There is one article regarding cancellation and it only gives the option for the International Olympic Committee, the IOC, to cancel, not the host city. So let's look at that. Let's look at how important these games are for the International Olympic Committee. And to fully understand this, we really have to get into how the Olympic movement generates revenue. And it does this through five major programs. One is broadcast partnerships managed by the IOC. Two, we have commercial sponsorship organized through the IOC's worldwide TOP or top program. Three, domestic sponsorship managed by the organizing committees for the Olympic Games. And then of course, four, ticketing. And then finally, five, licensing programs within the host country. Now, the OCOG, which is the Olympic Committees for the Olympic Games, have responsibility for the domestic sponsorship. 
ticketing and licensing programs under the direction of the IOC. Now, the IOC then distributes some of the Olympic marketing revenue to organizations throughout the Olympic uh, movement to support the staging of the Olympic Games and to promote the worldwide development of sport. The IOC retains approximately 10% of the Olympic marketing revenue for the operational and administrative costs of governing the Olympic movement. So that's how it works in a nutshell. It's important to note that this year's Summer Olympic Games are the most expensive on record. The Japanese government has already spent double the initial budget, an estimated $15.4 billion. And the country's official auditor projects that total spending could top $20 billion. Current spending reflects an additional $2.8 billion from the one-year delay which includes expenses like renegotiating contracts and uh, putting in place measures to combat the global pandemic. Now, while the Tokyo organizers have shouldered mo uh, most of the costs of cancellation, Japan's Prime Minister Yoshihide Suga has said that the decision to cancel lies within the International Olympic Committee. Now, he said uh, back in April that the o IOC has the authority to decide and the IOC has already decided to hold the Tokyo Olympics. All right, so what would the organizers lose by cancelling the Games? Well, according to the former IOC marketing chief, Mr. Michael Payne, he says that commercial revenues from television, sponsorship and ticketing usually cover the costs of running the games outside of capital infrastructure investments. So given the mounting costs of Tokyo 2020, it seems viable that the organizers would want to push ahead to recoup these losses. But Payne points out that the IOC's main revenue streams, such as international sponsorship and television deals, which make up around three quarters of its income, are protected as they're locked in long-term or insured. He said the revenue uh, financial decision is not an issue in the IOC's decision-making process. The sole focus from the IOC is to stage the games to give the athletes the once-in-every-four-year uh, window of opportunity. Record local sponsorship is the largest component of the budget for the organizing committee in Japan, this revenue stream would be shocked and almost certainly evaporate if the games were cancelled. But local sponsors and ticketing revenue, which largely goes to the host country, have already taken a hit. Sponsorship revenues have already been compromised by the lack of spectators and, of course, public concerns over coronavirus health and safety. So programmes will have been planned with spectators and fan interaction at the heart of their marketing activities. Now, arguably, the International Olympic Committee, the IOC, and Tokyo's organizers are concerned with the reputational damage of cancelling. But continuing, given the current state of the pandemic, could pose an even greater risk to Japan and the Olympic brand. Local and international sponsors have already dist distanced themselves from Tokyo 2020 
over concerns over um, the state of emergency in the city of Tokyo um, uh, around coronavirus cases. So as early as May, major uh, Japanese newspaper and local sponsor Asahi Shimban, which is a newspaper we kind of uh, referred to earlier, called for the games to be cancelled. While Japan's top car maker, of course, Toyota, announced on the 19th of July that it would pull all of its, um, all of its adverts from, um, from showing during the games. So how important is this for the IOC? Super important for the Olympic brand, recouping losses. And another thing, incidentally, we have to point out is the fact that next year, in 2022, there is the Winter Olympic Games, which are being hosted by China. Now, if these Tokyo Games were to be um, cancelled and um, delayed by another year to 2022, they would coincide with the um, Winter Olympic Games in China. I think it's Pyeongchang where it's being hosted. Now, that's kind of a dilemma for not only the International Olympic Committee, um, but of course as well for the Japanese government. Um, you know, as you know, China and Japan are strategic rivals um, economically, uh, militarily and all of these other things. So I don't think that'll kind of work out for both parties, um, both for the Olympic um, Committee in terms of having the summer games and winter games in the same year and for Japan as well, trying to kind of um, take the global stage. Maybe China might outshine them perhaps or Maybe Japan will shine China with their Summer Olympics. So that kind of doesn't work out for both parties. So I can see why they've gone ahead um, in this case with these Summer Olympic Games. There's one key factor that's missing from all this, and it's the athletes themselves. How do they feel about Tokyo 2020? You know, I can't imagine everyone is strictly like on board with going ahead with the Olympics. Surely there are some who are worried about the health and safety concerns, just as, you know, the local Japanese population are. And do they feel forced or even um, coerced into, like, going ahead with the Olympics? Maybe they don't want to. Maybe they're afraid of their own health and safety, uh, being plunged into a city that's currently in a state of emergency and just being told to run around this track or swim in this pool, like... Like, I'm trying to put the perspective of the athletes here forward, push this forward. Like, um, how important are the Tokyo 2020 Olympics for the athletes? Now, of course, there are some who are going to be, you know, wanting um, the best athletes to have the opportunity to display their uh, talents on the biggest stage of all. Now, of course, the Olympics remains the greatest show on earth. It's even bigger than anything in football, whether the World Cup, the Euros, AFCON, whatever, <laughs> Copa America, whatever you want to say. Um, and for many of these athletes, the only games of their careers, this is about fulfilling their childhood dreams and hopefully inspiring the next generation to do the same. And it's about the select few getting the chance to, you know, potentially immortalize themselves as one of the greatest by becoming an Olympic champion. And more to that, um, I think it's, a, you know, they've been training hard for years. We all know that. Um, and it's the chance to offer a lifetime to kind of showcase, showcase their skills to the world. 
um, and become become the goats um, in their respective sports. And then even even more to that, you know, I believe there are you know some of these athletes um, potentially the. The, the the best and the biggest in their fields um there's certain business opportunities and you know um economic gains to be had during these 20, tokyo 2020 games and it's not um uh, really assured that um most of these deals do they have insurance behind them um you know if the tokyo 2020 games are cancelled if they if they had been cancelled by the ioc or the japanese government um collaborating together would they lose out on some of these business opportunities um there's, there's of course millions of dollars of um, branding deals sponsorship deals with these particular athletes from you know uh sporting sportswear brands nike adidas of course um and other you know potential um stakeholders um who are looking at these athletes as um, as promoters for their particular brands. So that's another thing to kind of um, take into consideration when it comes to how important this is for athletes themselves. Even aside from business, how will these athletes even perform in an atmosphere where there is no atmosphere? <laughs> because there's no fans, there's no um, spectators in the stands or crowds, you know, 80,000 people, um, you know, in stadiums, like I think back to London 2012, um, just people clapping and just the, um, the, 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 the creation of this massive electric current. How will that impact um, and the lack of it? Um, how will that impact um, athletes like, I know, Simone Biles, Dean Asher Smith, um, or any of these other greats that we know and love, um, aside from business, like is that a potential factor into their performing the performance during these games? And um, maybe we might see people who thrive upon not having the pressure of crowds um, in the stands, and potentially people who suffer. You know the great stars who are more well known. Will they suffer um, due to the lack of that atmosphere um, in the in the stands? All right. So, what's my take on this whole thing? Well, let's go back to the original question, shall we? Are profits slash revenues being placed ahead of people's health and safety? And the simple answer to that is yes. Yes, they are. And the funny thing is, no one's really making any money. Or profiting from this whole thing you know the um if you look at the ioc they're kind of losing money as they're not getting anything from ticketing um broadcasting sponsorships we know toyota's already pulled out tv adverts um and then when you look at it from a broader sense the local tokyo economy they're currently in a state of emergency and recently you know within the last 24 hours or so there's um has been stricter measures that have been implemented for another state of emergency. So that's going to curtail the local Tokyo economy even more. And then when you spread that broader to the um, national Japanese economy, that can't be any good to that as well. Especially when Japan desperately needs a boost um, from anywhere that it can do. Now, when you um, think about this, and the other thing I wanted to throw into the spanner is that... You know, the local Japanese government runs the risk here because later down the line, in the autumn, late October, 
there is indeed a general election. Now, will the Japanese electorate factor in the Tokyo 2020 Olympics um, into their decision making in who they want to take office and, you know, um, in, uh, be in power? Um, is, um, is the Prime Minister Yoshihide Suga the leader of the Liberal Democratic Party? Is he running a risk here? And um, is, you know, the Liberal Democratic Party, which has ruled Japan for most of its post 1945 history, um, are they about to be booted out? Now, it's unlikely, of course. Um, experts <laughs> would probably say it's unlikely, but yeah, it might be something that might factor in to the Japanese electorate's decision making. Now, if you want my straight answer, um, oh my opinion on this i i just would have cancelled the olympic games altogether not even a delay just cancel it because one it's not really providing any revenue or kind of profit to anybody it's not really boosting japan's um economy does it boost their image or brand around the world um i don't know some might argue might actually hurt japan's branded economy and, um brand in the world as they're kind of forcing through this uh tokyo 2020 olympics in the middle of a global pandemic now the counter arguments to that cancel the games um perspective is that one well we've had other sporting events similar sporting events um that have you know gone ahead namely the euros 2020 and that was potentially more dangerous in terms of coronavirus infections because there was no single host of that particular event. It was city to city all around Europe. And different countries have different measures or different um, statuses of coronavirus. So potentially that was more risky. So why would the Tokyo 2020 Games not um, go ahead if we're talking from a health and safety point of view? And then the other argument to kind of counter the cancel the games altogether perspective is that, well, actually, you know, considering the past 12 to 18 months that the world has experienced with this whole global pandemic, perhaps Tokyo 2020 might be a way to kind of unite everyone around a single cause and just enjoy sports um, and battle each other on the global stage rather than, you know, actually fighting um you know, in terms of warfare or something like that. So, I don't know. I would like to get your perspective on that type of thing. Like, where are you on the Tokyo 2020 games? Cancel them all together, delay them for another year, or just push on ahead as the IOC and the Japanese government have done. Now, I think this kind of brings up the broader question because whichever way you look at it, pandemic or no pandemic, I think the Olympics is safe to say have to be made more manageable in the future. Um, the next games I believe are in Paris for 2024. Now considering maybe they might be pushed back by a year, maybe 2025 considering um, we're having the Tokyo 2020 games in 2021. So give four years, I don't know. But I think um, a consensus has grown amongst economists that the Olympic games needs reforms to make them one more affordable. Now, many are pointed to the fact that the IOC's bidding process actually encourages wasteful spending by favoring potential hosts who present the most ambitious plans. And this so-called uh, winner's curse means that overinflated bids are often pushed by 
local construction and hospitality interests which consistently overshoot the actual value of hosting. Now, observers have also criticized the IOC for not sharing more of the fast growing revenue generated by the Another issue is of course as well corruption which has dogged the IOC's selection process for a while now. Bribery scandals have marred the 1998 Nagano and 2002 Salt Lake City games. Just back in 2017, the head of Rio's Olympic Committee was charged with corruption for allegedly making payments to secure the Brazil games. And allegations of illegal payments surfaced in the 2020 Tokyo selection. So, in response, the IOC under President Thomas Bach um, has promoted reforms to the process known as the Olympic Agenda 2020. Now, these recommendations include reducing the cost of bidding, allowing hosts more flexibility in using already existing sports facilities, encouraging bidders to develop a sustainable strategy, and increasing outside auditing and other transparency measures, right? Now, something that more drastic measures are indeed necessary, of course. Um, economists like Bauman and Matheson argue that developing countries should be spared the burden of hosting altogether. And the IOC should instead award the games to rich countries that are better able to absorb more of the costs. Uh, not sure if I agree with that one. <laughs> but um, And then there's um, the author, Andrew Zimbalist, who um, argues that one city should be made the permanent host, allowing for the reuse of expensive infrastructure. Okay. I can see that. Now, barring that, many economists argue that any city planning to host should ensure that the games fit into a broader strategy to promote development that will outlive the Olympics um, festivities. Now, I, I think that's, except for the one about developed countries only hosting it, I don't know. I might, in terms of inequality, I'm not sure if that that's probably the best thing to do. But I do agree about, you know, using the facilities or using existing sporting facilities rather than spending huge amounts of money on developing brand new facilities that are only used for that one event. And then they're never, you know, they're kind of, um, you know, they don't outlive the Olympics festivities. They kind of are dead after that, after being used for the Olympics. I agree with that. But we'll see. Perhaps, maybe, the one positive outcome from Tokyo 2020 is that maybe we shall see more reforms in the future in terms of hosting and the costs associated with that. And maybe even back to the bidding process and, uh, you know, the, 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 the auditing and other transparency measures um, to make them just more manageable, more enjoyable. Um, for fans too and you know for countries to kind of be able to um, manage the costs and the benefits that come around with the Olympic Games. But what's your take on Tokyo 2020? Are you uh, cheering on your nation and don't really care about the ramifications of health and safety or anything like that and you just want to see a bit of sports somebody running around a track? Which is fine. Or are you a hardline, um, a hardliner who's, you know, boycotting the whole thing and not really tuning in? Now, I do want the, I would have preferred the games to be cancelled, but I'm tuning in every now and then. You know, I enjoyed a bit of um, table tennis. Um, recently, I saw the 10,000 meter um, 
finals. That was interesting. Of course, Ethiopia won, as they always do. Um, and swimming and stuff like that. So, yeah, beach volleyball. That's interesting, too. Um, but, yeah, I want to get your thoughts. Um, hashtag Economics Echo to join in the conversation. Well, that has been it for episode 51 of the Economics Echo podcast. I hope that you've been informed on the economics and politics behind the Tokyo 2020 Summer Olympic Games. Be sure to subscribe from your favorite podcast provider and join us next week for a brand new episode looking at big tech, Silicon Valley's best, Google, Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, Facebook and Tesla with their Q2 Big Bonanza earnings report, the big boom earnings. How are they faring during this pandemic? What, why, and how? Until then, this is Economics Echo, signing out. Peace.